0: Thank you for joining us for the PEBCAC Podcast, a weekly information security show featuring some all-around good people. I'm Chris Louie.
1: This week, I came prepared with Punch and Cookies. With me, I have Brian Deitch. Very happy to have those Punch and Cookies. Actually, stoked to be here. Thanks for having me back. Uh, you guys can also refer to me as my alter ego, Duke Silver. What about you, Glenn?
2: <laughs> That's funny. Duke Silver, I don't know what to tell you, I'm at a loss for words right now,
0: which is unusual, <laughs> so. You made Glenn blush. <laughs> yeah, also with me, uh, Glenn Medina. Hey everyone,
2: welcome and thank you for joining us. I'm really happy to be back for this podcast number two. Uh, I didn't think I'd get
0: invited back after the last one, but looks like I'm here again. Combined, we have decades of information security experience and are here not just to educate, but to entertain. Hey, first and foremost, thank you all for your overwhelming support, comments, and
2: kind words. Well, some of them are really kind, some not so kind. It means the world to us, and we're happy knowing that you enjoy listening to our content. Without further ado, on to the show, Chris.
0: Let's be honest, a lot of the the unkind words were directed at Brian here. (laughs) I wasn't going to say that. (laughs) (laughs) All right, on to our first story. Uh, About three weeks ago f5 networks disclose yet another unauthenticated remote code execution vulnerability in its big ip and big iq platforms and this is a problem because fi states that something like 490 out of the fortune 500 and most of the u.s federal government they all use big uh, f5 big ip so this is extremely concerning uh, the u.s nsa also listed F5 Big IP vulnerabilities among some of the top exploits used by Chinese state-backed hackers to hack into uh, American companies. Brian, you have a unique perspective on all things F5. Why don't you walk us through this?
1: Yeah, so I actually, well, oh, heck, maybe four years ago, I was actually working for F5 and you know, moved over here to Zscaler, having a good time. So my perspective is kind of interesting, right? I'm not here to knock F5 by any means Uh, about any RCE right you know until we get robots that are coding for us that can do it perfectly I think anything can happen at the end of the day but the the idea in all of this is to minimize the blast radius now we talk about the you know the fortune 500 people that use it we're not you can't necessarily do the the RCE against like a publicly facing VIP in the world like for uh, lack of better words, a financial institution or, you know, uh, a news website, right? It, it's not vulnerable there. Where it is vulnerable is on the management IP address and like the self-IP addresses, which in theory, right, they should never be exposed to the open internet. Now, this is where it kind of gets interesting. So a couple of years ago, I was sitting in on an F5 user group and there was a, a, a guy there from F5 by the name of David Holmes uh, he is since then. He left Fi, went to Shape, and then he went over to Forester. Great, great um, individual human being, but quite the nerd like us. And one day he thought, "Wouldn't it be cool if I ra- wrote a script to just basically go out to every IPv4 address on the internet and to see if I can find any F5s with the management IP exposed?" He let it run over the weekend and it literally came back with thousands, not not hundreds, thousands of management IP addresses that were, ex, uh, you know, readily accessible via the internet. So when you look at that, like, yeah, the, when we talk about the blast radius, you, you have things locked down, but at that point in time, there were still thousands of devices that could be used to do this whole remote code execution. And that's terrifying because you don't even need to have authentication, right? You, you, you do the buffer overflow, you get in and have a great time. Uh, I would err on the whole idea that most likely there's still thousands of IP addresses out there that are related to the management IP. Um, not, maybe not the big IQ device, but definitely the, the big, IP, uh, big IQ platform as a whole or the big IP platform.
2: God, what year is this? This is, Last time I checked, it's 2021, and we're still dealing with no auth RCE bugs in border network access devices. This, that's crazy, Brian. I mean, zero trust access can't come soon enough.
0: Yeah, you said it well, Glenn. Uh, zero trust really is the way to go. Not having things exposed out there on the Internet, just like, like Brian said, having that management interface uh, out there, it, it just presents too great
1: of a risk. It's scary. And, and the reality is it's, it's actually out there, right? And I'm the, I'll am i be the first one to actually tell you guys. Not too long ago, uh, I decided to hand roll a configuration for an edge router at my house. And I overlooked the uh, the command to disable administrative access for you know basically the public internet coming in. Now, luckily, I changed the root um, username to like something else and uh, put a really long password. But when I set up logging, I could see all these failed login attempts. And I'm like, you know, like I'm over here talking smack, but mm-hmm. I'm 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 just as you know I wouldn't say stupid, but dumb as some of the other people out there in the world. You know, we overlook things. It, it happens. User error. Like I said. Eventually we get those robots and then everything will be perfect.
0: Yeah, I think the, the two most dangerous words in, in IT security, default configuration. All right, on to uh, LastPass again in our next story. Uh, about a month ago, I received an email from LastPass saying that's parent company logged me in. Uh, they made a change to their free tier of LastPass, pa- LastPass being the password management software. Uh, free tier users can have access to LastPass on unlimited laptops and desktops, or unlimited mobile, but, but not both, which is one of the really attractive things of LastPass was it was, it was just so cross-platform. Uh, this understandably caused a backlash from LastPass's loyal support base and sparked many, many articles comparing LastPass alternatives for those that did not want to pay for, for LastPass Premium. I'll talk about what i personally use in just a minute but i want to get your guys's take uh so glenn what are your thoughts on password managers and do you use one
2: yeah i mean password managers are fundamental it's fundamental to what a good security strategy and ensures that you have a complex password for others right and you know it stops users from creating passwords in in text files or writing it down on a notepad that's kept underneath your keyboard or maybe you know taped to your mouse Right. Um, this reminds me of, you know, my dad's password from last week where, you know, where, it, you know, from last week, but he's still learning on that process, right? The idea that he's going to use eight characters, right? And, and one, uh, one, one capital, right? <laughs> Inside there. Um, and then, uh, to be honest, I, I use a password manager, but I dare not say here on the podcast because then that leaves me securely, you know, a, a quite a little bit of a vulnerability there. Um, I would say that it's important to use one and ensure that the one you use has not had any vulnerabilities or has any compromised incidents in the past because let's face it, not all password uh, managers are created equal. I think you guys would agree with that.
1: So you're trying to tell me that uh, like my Post-it sticker doesn't count as being very secure?
2: It's only secure if you put it in a safe.
1: <laughs> right on. All right. Well, actually, just kidding. I don't actually do post notes. I, I I probably stopped maybe I don't know twenty years ago. Uh, but I actually decided to stick with LastPass right here, and the uh, the whole reason was it was it was a fight not worth battling. I barely got my wife and kids to understand the concept of a password manager as opposed to just throwing stuff into their notes app on their iPhone. Uh, that it, it just wasn't worth it. So I went ahead and subscribed to the the to the family version of, of LastPass to kind of keep the peace in the house. Yeah, there's, there's
0: definitely something to be said about path of least resistance or user-friendliness and just having that that level of, of control and security. So for, for some people, it definitely is worth it. And that, and that's really what we're looking for. Are you getting value um, out of that investment in LastPass? And it definitely sounds like, at least for, for your family, uh, you are. And uh, for me, I wanted to try something a little bit different. Um, there's an open source tool called Bitwarden and I've actually found it to be an uh, awesome alternative to, to LastPass, it's, it's cross-platform, it offers multi-factor authentication. So even though people know I use Bitwarden, it is protected by uh, MFA um, and it does it does what it needed to do. And the premium option, if you, you do opt for, it's only $10 a year. So it's a, it's a pretty affordable um, option
1: and I'm, I'm been, I've been happy with it so far.
2: Sounds like it's a wise ten dollar investment, Chris.
1: On the whole, uh, like on the whole concept of passwords in general, like I'm not a huge fan of them. Right? I, I can't tell me how many times I go to create a password and it's either too long or I have to couple that in with like MFA, where I, I attach the OTP on there, and then again it's still too long, so they have to dumb down my password to be able, be able to support an OTP. Um, there is one bank in particular that you can actually use your voice to authenticate you and there's a phrase that they have you say so when you pick up the phone and call it and i dare not say because you guys will just call that bank and and replay my voice (laughs) on here uh but i thought that was actually pretty cool right now it was a manual enrollment right they presented me the option to do it i thought "Ah, you know give it a shot i called this particular bank once or twice a year and uh recently i had to make a, a phone call in and i was i was pleasantly surprised by how seamless that really was the hunt is on to find that bank yeah. And the and the phrase, it changes. So and the bug. phrase,
0: yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, and that brings up two things, I guess, for me. So one is getting away from passwords, anything that gets away from static usernames and passwords, that's that's definitely good. Uh the other side of that, uh the security side of me thinks of deepfakes, that there is a lot of audio out there of the the three of us. We we present on behalf of our companies, we do this podcast, there's just so much audio. Out there and I'm sure we've said many langu- many words in the English language and people can synthesize that they can just deep fake our voice out there so that, that's definitely a concern but as you said Brian security by uh, obscurity you don't know what bank you don't know the phrase uh, there's there's still some some little protection there but it's yeah, just not something to be aware of On our next story, uh, in somewhat heartwarming news, the so-called Ziggy ransomware crew not only released the decryption keys for all their victims so they can decrypt their files for free, uh, they also offered full refunds to any victims who paid the ransom. Uh, This strategy is not commonly found in the cybercrime underground, so it came as a shock to most security researchers. Uh, The Ziggy crew even went so far as to develop a decryption utility to assist their victims in quickly decrypting their data. Now, to date, no ransom payments have been refunded, but Ziggy promises they'll they will be coming within the next few weeks. So you could say the check is in the mail. Uh, what do you guys think about ransomware crews changing their their ways and maybe giving them a second chance?
1: This is very likely related to real-world arrests that happened with EmoteBotnet botnet and NetWalker ransomware crew. You know, for years these crews operated with impunity. And but within the last few months, uh, law enforcement has not only been able to disrupt operations, but to, you know, put people in handcuffs. I'll tell you what, like that, that's the last thing I would want to do. If I'm a bad guy, <laughs> I don't want to end like like we like we talked about last week on with the the Acer uh, ransomware. You know, fifty million dollars it, it it just isn't enough to uh, you know spend the rest of your life in prison. So I'm gonna opt out. As quickly as i can to any other tos that's out there yeah
2: yet another reason to stay on the right side of the law right brian we, we, we wouldn't look good in those silver handcuffs just just doesn't pair well with me and my complexion so.
1: <laughs> a funny note on the whole like ransomware from last week and in my comment not knowing that acer was even a company anymore i also received an email from an aol.com email address telling me that he actually uses an Acer computer. So not only is Acer still out there, uh, as I discovered last weekend, but apparently AOL email addresses are still widely usable. I had no idea. I'm just, I'm being shocked left and right. Sure. And I think this type of story
0: is actually very timely because I saw right before we jumped on on the pod here, I saw a headline flash across my screen that said uh, Brown University, their entire I don't know if it's in the entire, but they're, they're, at least parts of their computer network have been affected by some type of cyber attack. And this is you know, very likely going to end up being uh, ransomware, and we'll probably find out in the next couple of days. So we have people like Ziggy that are trying to do the right thing and turn away from their evil ways. Uh, but we also have these really, there's no other way to call them pieces of human garbage that are encrypting uh, computer networks of universities, hospitals, medical research facilities, trying to hold these people ransom uh, for their data when people are barely struggling to to get by and education systems are barely struggling with this, this whole remote learning thing that these people would just go out there and try to make a quick buck off of them. So we, it's sort of a dichotomy there's, there's the worst of the world. And there are people that are really out there and seeing that, that what they're doing is wrong and, and they want to make a change. For our last segment, and this segment is going to rotate every week, last week we did dad jokes, which seemed to we seemed to get a pretty positive reaction. I don't know if it was sarcasm or not, but it, it was it was good enough that I think we'll, we'll keep bringing that segment back. But this week we wanted to change it up, and uh, we're going to discuss our favorite movie or TV show hacking scenes. So for decades, movies like Wargames game, war when they hit the cinema... You know, untrained users believe that hackers can remotely launch nuclear missiles or even collapse entire governments with just a few keystrokes. Brian, why don't you start us off with your favorite movie hacking scene?
1: Yeah, so mine actually stems back from my F5 days. So the movie Swordfish, um, you actually had Hugh Jackman, a.k.a. Wolverine, uh, you know, just clicking away, trying to hack into something I can't actually recall. But in the background, there was an actually uh, an F5 Viperon device in the, in, in the server stack. And I just thought that was so cool, right? And I'm telling my wife and kids, like, that's that's what dad does, right? There, there's my device, and they were like, not that interested. But it made me kind of think, like, do you, does like someone that works for Coke or Pepsi get like all amped up? Like, that's the thing we make, like, it's awesome. Uh, probably not, right? So, but the the cool little background story on that is at that point in time, servers were black, and that was it. That was the only color you can get. But the F5 actually had like this cool silver bezel and a, and, a, and a red ball that was on the on the front and so the director had purchased these devices and then uh, come to find out he was getting livid when trying to shoot the scene because the box would when they would turn it on just to get the lights on the fans had have to come on now this is like a, a two or four you appliance right and it's blowing a lot of air through the device even though it's not doing anything and so they had a special order f5 devices that only had a light turn on without the actual, you know, fans in there to keep the computer nice and cool. so That was my favorite uh, Swordfish story, or I'm sorry, my favorite hacking story from back in the day.
2: Yeah, so I I probably have the same movie, right? And I go back to Swordfish, you know, 2001. It's the hype of security, the hype of the Internet, and... um, I go back to the scene where I think it's Hugh and he's typing like crazy and he's got six screens as I'm kind of going through there. And in each screen, it looks like a cube and in each cube, there's numbers and letters that float through and he's got to figure out which letter and which number, you know, gets inserted into the cube. And as the cube, as he figures it out, the cube turns And as that cube turns, he unlocks a phase and then he gets closer and closer as he's going through and he's and he's making his way through what looks like a firewall. You know, I I look at that scene and I remember when I was watching and I was so fascinated and I turned to my wife because we were both in the movie theater at that time. And I looked at her and I said, that's not how it works. I said, it's really, it's really boring. <laughs> and she kind of looked at me and said, whatever. <laughs> it's the movie. She was there for Hugh, right? So, uh, yeah, just going back to what's real, what's reality and what's in the movies, you got to love what's in the movies because, man, they made, they made me want to become a hacker. Then you realize hacking is probably not a good thing because then again, I don't look good in handcuffs. So,
1: uh, yeah, that, that was one of my favorite scenes it's always very anti-climatic, right? Anytime that we're doing something, it's like, wow, look at look how cool that is. Like, well, I had positioned uh, an API in front of my son. I said, I want you to call this API and I want you to populate this URL category with whatever you want. And a couple hours later, he came back and did it. I was like, isn't that amazing? He's like, no, nah, I guess. Like, I don't really care, dad. Like, it, it's not what you would think it to be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I go back to...
2: You know back before HTTPS when you could take a PCAP of the stream that was going through your house or on a company network, and you would, you would, uh, you, 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 dec- you know, you would use something like Wireshark to look at the stream and you go, Hey, look, I see someone's password inside there. And that's after you know, digging and digging and digging through the HTML, you know, through all those files, and you're like. Okay, yeah, this is not fun. <laughs> this is kind of boring after a while. Exciting at the time because you were yeah. finding what people's passwords were, but boring in the sense that if I had to explain this to my kid, she'd probably like, uh, "What's so great about it, Dad?" Yeah, whatever, Dad. So, yeah, that that's kind of interesting. Chris, thoughts?
0: Uh, the the good old Fire Sheep days, man. Yeah, when before the internet was encrypted and you, you could fire up Fire Sheep on. Uh, a network you were legally allowed to monitor of course and you can you can get people's authentication cookies like facebook and back in the day when friendster and myspace was a thing and you could easily impersonate it with their permission of course and uh yeah back back before uh, https was the thing Uh, going back to swordfish i just wanted to to call you out glenn Uh, let's be real your wife was there for hugh and you were there for halle berry
2: I think that's what I said, so I didn't say Halle Berry because I hope she's not listening to this, but yes, Halle Berry, scene, awesome. Uh,
0: For me, I'd have to say literally any hacking scene from Mr. Robot, but that's just cheating because that's by far the most accurate portrayal of hacking I have ever seen uh, in in my film and and TV uh, watching career. Uh, but if I had to pick one, I'd, I'd have to say the scene from the movie Black Hat, and that was a movie directed by Michael Mann, uh, came out probably six years ago or so, I don't remember. Uh, it, it's got Chris Hemsworth in it, so that's that's the only reason my wife would watch it with me. And basically, he fishes someone inside the NSA with an infected attachment. And and Brian, last week you mentioned that almost every attack starts with some type of phishing attack. And uh, in the movie, Chris Hemsworth... Uh, spoofs an email to an NSA employee telling him to immediately change his password, and the email contains an attachment called "Password passwordguidelines.pdf.exe, which happens to be a keylogger. <laughs> the, the NSA employee opens the supposed, quote, PDF, which is actually an executable, and our protagonist, Chris Hemsworth, successfully uh, fishes the credentials. Now, if you take out US NSA, uh, this is a really... A very real attack that North Korea used to to target global defense contractors uh, employees on LinkedIn. They go on LinkedIn, said who works for Lockheed, who works for Raytheon, who works for SpaceX. Send them a an email that says, "Hey, I've got this this awesome job for you." Uh, in order to apply to, for this job, you have to open this file. I'm going to send you a file. They would open it, they get key logged, and then boom, North Korea gets gets access into that that defense contractor. So, uh, not a great movie, I would say, but. Pretty realistic on on how they would uh, fish credentials.
1: You know what movie seemed like completely unrealistic at the time, but if you go back rewatch it today, you're like, oh my god, like it was right there in front of us all along. It, it was Enemy of the State with Will Smith. Have you guys seen that recently? Yes, yes. Very so not
0: good. recently, yeah. but I'm familiar with it. Yeah.
1: So it, it, you watch that and you're like, man, everything that Snowden talked about was in this movie before he even talked about it. Like it was freaky. That's, that's one of the ones now, now, now that you bring up like the whole uh, Black Hat one with Hemsworth. I, I want to go back, rewatch that now as well. Yeah, sometimes real life is stranger than fiction. i got to say, or, or or is it
0: life imitates art? Maybe one of those idioms there. <laughs> All right, uh, to wrap things up for for this week, a couple of the stories we, we covered. F5 having a real bad time with another uh, no auth RCE bug, Uh, but again, really, to err as human, best practice are hide that that management interface, use zero trust. There are several good alternatives to LastPass, including LastPass Premium, whatever Glenn uses since he won't tell us, and uh, Bitwarden. The Ziggy ransomware crew turns their life around, provides the decryption keys for free, and even refunds to hopefully avoid jail time. And the last thing we covered, movie hacking scenes can be realistic. They can be complete fabrications, but I think the point is make them entertaining. That's all we have for this week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. You can find us all on LinkedIn. Links will be in the description. Just so you know, you are 20% more attractive now that you are listening to our podcast. If you know anyone else who would like to be 20% more attractive, please share this podcast with them. Now, the best way to find us is to search for the Pebcak podcast. That's P-E-B-C-A-K podcast on your favorite podcast listening app. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and now TuneIn. We'll see you all next week, and as always, have a nice day. Thanks,
2: Chris. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, boys. Until next week. Cheers. Cheers.